This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, to the host for this edition of NBA Sound System Live, Carlin Gay and Micah Adams. Welcome into the live edition of NBA Sound System, Carlin Gay, alongside Micah Adams. Micah, how you doing, my man? Man, it is rainy and gloomy outside, and I'm just crossing my fingers that's not a harbinger for something else coming. But I'm I'm, I'm ha- always happy to talk coops with you, my man. Likewise, uh, on this episode, we will be discussing uh, potential new jerseys for a team out there in the NBA. Uh, all the players that may have benefited from the off-season size break that we've had due to the pandemic, uh, the the best picture floating around the internet since the landing on the moon. That's a tease. But we have to start <laughs> with the biggest story of the week, uh, and one that actually may derail the potential start of the NBA season. And that is the coalition led by Kyrie Irving and Avery Bradley, who have made their feelings known now to the league and to everyone listening uh, that they are (laughs) against or want further discussions around the restart of the NBA season in Orlando, which is set to start right now as we talk uh, July 31st. Uh, and there's a, about 80 to 100 players involved in this coalition. A lot of them, um, you know, voicing different opinions and 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 uh, concerns. And I think when we get into this, Michael, we have to kind of break it down into two segments. There is a segment that has to do with the health uh, and safety of players, and then another segment completely, which we'll start with, which the coalition led off with. And I'll give you the Kyrie Irving uh, statement or the NBA Player Coalition statement that they gave to ESPN uh, just on Monday. Uh, And I quote, As an oppressed community, we are going on 500 plus years of being systematically targeted, used for our IP slash talent, and also still being killed by the very people that are supposed to protect and serve us. We have had enough. We are combating the issues that matter most. We will not accept the racial injustice that continues to be ignored in our communities. We will not be kept in the dark when it comes to our health and well-being. And we will not ignore the financial motivations slash expectations that have prevented us historically from making sound decisions. End quote. That is the statement that they, the NBA Player Coalition gave to ESPN. Uh, it, it's all there for us now, Micah. It, I mean... We all thought, I mean, a week ago, we thought that we were heading to an NBA season. We thought we were getting back in business. Uh, it's time to pump our brakes a little bit. Yeah, and I, I and look, I don't want to, I don't want to come on here and cast out into any of the points that 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 coalition's making because I, I think they they raise up a lot of a lot of really good points, uh, and they're also doing their job for everyone immediately jumping on sort of. Why now? What are we saying? What are we doing? Uh, the job as an elected vice president of the Players Association, which Kyrie Irving is, one of the six VPs, is to make sure that players are having those conversations, that they're asking all the questions, that they're uh, making sure that they do all of their due diligence. But but there is just, there's a lot to unpack, right? And you kind of touched on it being it's kind of two separate issues and really I mean and, and, and it's even it's even more beyond that right there are the the social justice uh, or rather injustice uh, issues at hand and players wanting to make sure that they're spending their energy and dedicating themselves uh, and really focusing in on, on what's important uh, to them and their communities there's the the health and wellness uh, portion of it which uh, continues every day to grow. Uh, more complicated, uh, sort of as everything in Florida unfolds, um, and it's just—it's it, kind of—I think it's too easy sometimes to kind of take all of this and wrap it up into one issue when really there's just—it's—it's it's beyond complicated uh, with a lot of different factors sort of playing tug of war here. Yeah, let, let's start with the with the social injustice part of it because I think that's. 
uh, as you said, it's two separate issues, and, and we should start there. Um, there is two camps to this right now, and, and, and those that do want to play and that are okay coming out and playing, and then there's a side that are are against it, uh, meaning that you know there's, there's kind of uh, a push to, I guess, really have a longer discussion with the league uh, around things that they can do to help what's going on and, 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 and participate in the protests that are going around on in the country. Whereas uh, someone like Austin Rivers, who has come out and, you know, sort of said, well, we should use our platform while we're playing to still make that, you know, uh, you know our voices heard. Um, and, and a lot of the, 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 the group that Kyrie Irving's leading right now, which is about, like I said, about 80 players, uh, probably feel differently. Here's a quote that Austin Rivers uh, gave on his Instagram. He said, quote, us coming back would be putting money in all of our pockets. With this money, you could you could help out even more people and continue to give, more importantly, your time and energy to the movement. He's talking about, of course, of the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, he made that uh, sort of small quote on his Instagram on Saturday, uh, which was the day after we really started to hear about what Kyrie Irving and this coalition was trying to sort of advocate for. So two sides to this. Um, I will tell you straight up and down. I I don't I don't think there's a right or a wrong, but I do believe that both of these sides need to come together on the same page. Whether you know they they agree on on what Kyrie Irving and his coalition is saying, or they agree with what Austin Rivers and some of the other NBA players are saying and using the platform, but having two split sides trying to fight for the same goal but trying to do it in different ways feels like we're, it's going to fail here. I agree, and and I I, I look, I, I will never ever, and uh, and fully recognizing um, the the position that NBA players are in, will never sort of pick a side per se, or or say what players should or shouldn't do. That's neither you nor I or anyone that is not one of the NBA players. Uh, that's that's not our our decision to to honestly even give an opinion on. But I do think that what Austin Rivers is saying is really important. And, and, and he's basically saying, like, look, like we we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Right. Like the reason that we have the platform that we have is because we have made it to the NBA. It's because we're on TV. It's because kids look up to us and, and find role models. And and it's because they can for two and a half hours on a on a night get away from other distractions and sit down and, and watch basketball and talk basketball and follow it and play video games and buy sneakers and and everything that goes into being an NBA fan and you know I and I think that when Rivers talked about uh he had in his original post uh that I want to go back to and he said quote not at the cost of the whole NBA and players careers and I think that part is important because while guys like Kyrie and guys even like Austin Rivers who has now been in the league for a while The average NBA career is under five years. So if you look at uh, the 2014 NBA draft, right? So barely six years ago, uh, only 29 of the 60 guys from that draft were still in the league this past season. It comes and goes, right? So we're talking about shelf lives of professional NBA careers here that, you know, for for a guy like like Kyrie Irving might play 15 years. He might play more than that. Vince Carter just wrapped up his his 22nd season in the NBA. But for every story like that, there's the story of the first or the second round draft pick that doesn't make it to a second contract or that goes from one 15 day to another. Or, you know, so I I just, I think that it's just, there are so many different perspectives that even within the NBA community themselves uh, put forth, it's really hard to kind of everyone get on the same page and, like you said, it's something that that they need to do. It's a conversation that they need to happen. I'm not even mad that they're that they're having the conversation, but I do think it is it is also interesting. The timing of this all came what less than a week after I believe the initial conference call, which included player representatives, and it was voted unanimously, 28 to nothing, uh, in support of moving forward. So. Yes, I, I'm sure that there are players who, who want to be heard and they should be heard that maybe felt like that maybe they wouldn't have been represented on that initial call. But then 
I, I don't know. You just th there's a lot of mixed messages and, and, and sort of out there, and it's it's just it's it's a convoluted, messy, sticky situation. I'm glad you bring up the unanimous vote to uh, to, to to agree with the sort of plan to play uh, for July 31st because uh, word came out this week that the WNBA is planning to resume or start their and finish their 2020 campaign with a shorter season, 22 games, same situation. It's going to be in the quote unquote bubble down in in uh, Florida at IMG Academy, and they voted on uh, the the league's proposal and. Uh, it was a 77 to 23 percent vote of yes, uh, where 23 percent vote of no. And the players that voted no, uh, according to a report, said that it, it was it was more their concerns were the health and safety, of course, and also focusing on social justice. In the WNBA's case, uh, the league's proposal returned to play. Um, players are going to receive 100 percent of their salaries. Uh, in that 22-game season, the shortened season. They've already received two paychecks so far as a WNBA, and they were supposed to start playing May 15th. So we would have been a month into the season. They've received two paychecks. Had the league decided not to play, the players decided not to play, they wouldn't be getting a single paycheck going forward. So it was all or nothing really for them. And still, 23% of the players still decided to vote against that, uh, caught, you know, citing health concerns and also the desire to focus on social justice issues. So I found that interesting with the WNBA league uh, doing it that way. And then, and then you mentioned how, you know, players sort of were all in favor of getting back to the start of the season. Obviously the vote, you know, what happened with George Floyd in, in Minnesota kind of has flipped the world on its head for a lot of people. And maybe, you know, had the vote happened prior to that, every, you know, people would have voted differently, or maybe we didn't even have a plan to return to play in place. But we do now, and I, I wonder how they're going to come to a conclusion to get everybody on the same page. Because right now, you know, the last five days, it looks like there's one side versus the other. And this is supposed to be a union, a player union that uh, is all on the same page. Yeah. And I and look, I, I think we just we just might have to, to face the reality of the situation here where it's just if you want to come back and play, come back and play. And if you don't want to come back and play. Don't come back and play. I, I don't think that there's a single person out there uh, that would look up and down an NBA roster and dictate terms that you must do this, you must do that. I don't think that there's anyone out there saying that. And I, I would think that the NBA for being as uh, progressive of a, of a league as it is, it's among the most player-friendly leagues uh, that we have really in the whole world, they, I would imagine, would be the first to say, "Look, if you're not comfortable coming to play, don't come and play." You know, I, and, I, and I think that you know the, the situation, even before um, the terrible tragedy with George Floyd and the uh, ensuing protests around the country, with the coronavirus epidemic here, there was never going to be a 100% ironclad uh, plan to plan to play return. It just there's there's no way of being 100% certain right so what they're doing is is they're putting forth what they feel is their best effort uh in good faith to do it i know that there have been public health experts ranging from dr dr fauci himself i know that there were quotes uh from i, I believe uh some of the epi epidemiologists uh up at harvard saying that they looked at what the nba was planning to do and they said given everything that's going on seems reasonable looks like a good plan so i think what we have here is something that while not perfect uh is kind of the best that's maybe possible under under the certain circumstances but then you, you start getting into all the all the latest news and and numbers on the rise again both not only in florida at large but also in orange county where orlando is it's it's just it, it's beyond complicated this entire situation with so many different factors um that i i think anyone out there looking for a perfect solution is going to be sorely disappointed because i i'm just not sure one exists yeah, let's let's get into that side of things because uh, that's a completely different issue uh, that you know a lot of players are are sort of bringing up right now. And quite frankly, I'm I am shocked that you know some of the players in the league even have to ask certain questions from the league or are finding out 
information about what's happening in the supposed bubble at the same time as you and I. That seems like it's a little bit uh, strange to me. And, and, and it seems to me like I don't want to say that they dropped the ball here in this situation, but they definitely fumbled. And the good thing about a fumble is that you could pick it back up and maintain possession where I, I really feel like this is a complete fumble and, and, they, and they need to find a way to pick it back up and maintain possession. You've had you've had months now, weeks, and I know that we haven't had all the greatest, you know, ironclad information about what's happening with the virus, but you've had weeks to come up with a plan and you've also, uh, you know, had the ability to work with the smartest people who could make the best guesses in the world about, you know, bringing back this game that we all love and for players to still have questions. Like you said, there was never going to be a perfect scenario. There was always going to be questions. But the type of questions that we're hearing now, we, there's a report out there that, you know, the employees at Disney were going to be free to go home and, 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 and then come back into the bubble and that be okay. How is it possible that you were going to force the NBA players to stay in this bubble and expect them to go in bunch, uh, under these all these tests and everything, but the employees that are going to be in the same bubble, touching the same surfaces as they are, able to leave on a daily basis and come back in without any issue that i mean that shouldn't happen right no am i I crazy here no you're not crazy but i but i also think that that like that is such an obvious hole that you would think it's not even as simple as that like so disney world is planning on on reopening their doors The, the the parks are going to be open uh while this is happening there so there will be some uh, Disney World employees in the near vicinity who are not necessarily in the bubble, quote unquote, but who are there on property working day in, day out, right? So when we hear these reports of, uh, well, you know, some Disney employees will be able to go home and not everyone's going to be required to stay, I would hope anyone would think that the ones that are in closest proximity to players, whether they're uh, folks serving food or cleaning rooms or, or drivers, uh, henceforth, any of that support staff that has a say and a physical hand in the actual NBA apparatus on site would be different from somebody that is there doing their job with the parks and the resorts as a whole. And maybe maybe that there is a significant overlap in that Venn diagram. Uh, but I, I think that it's it's very easy to catch on to the word of yeah, if somebody says Disney employees can come and go as they please, I, I don't know if necessarily that is the same thing as saying those involved with all facets of the NBA's ongoing operations inside the bubble uh, are, are impacted by that. I, I don't know. It just it seems to me like that is far too obvious of one that the NBA would have just missed. Right. So I'm of the opinion that somewhere along the way and that slow paper trail of it's kind of a game of telephone, right, where one source says something to someone else who says something to someone else. And at some point along the way, perhaps a bit of context got left out. And I'm willing to bet that that's more along the lines of what's happening here, uh, because it's, it's far too big of an ongoing task to try to pull off in the first place. If you can't get that part right, then what are we doing? Uh, but I, I have to think that the NBA would have gotten that part of that right. So that's kind of where I fall on that. I hope you're right about that, but they obviously didn't communicate it properly. And one NBA star says that had he opportunity to had he had the opportunity to get to the bubble, he would not play this season. I'll tell you who it is in just a second. But first, NBA Sound System is brought to you by our friends over at NBA.com Global. NBA.com Global is home to the most intelligent, handsome, and talented writers in all of sports. And I'm not just saying that because I'm biased. Uh, I just work there. That's all. Uh, This week, you can find articles on Luka Doncic and his elite scoring at the rim, reports and confirmation on new NBA jerseys headed your way in 2020-21, and should Steph Curry have actually won the finals MVP in 2015? All that and more over on NBA.com Global. Um, On the Tough Juice podcast with Karan Butler, John Wall pretty much said that had he been healthy this year, he would not have played in the bubble. And I quote, for me, if I was playing, 
I wouldn't want to go there. I wouldn't want to go to it, to be honest. I just don't feel it's safe. I just don't feel it is. I understand why they want to do it and what they're trying to do, but I wouldn't want to, end quote. That's John Wall on the Tough Juice podcast saying that had he been healthy, of course he's not. He's you know He had an Achilles injury. He's already ruled out for the entire year. But had he been healthy, he wouldn't want to play in the Orlando bubble. He's too concerned about the uh, the health concerns and, and all uh, with, the, with the pandemic. And you have data, Micah, that uh, shows that Florida really hasn't been one of the safest states in the country. No, it's not. And, and some of the recent reporting over the last 24 hours or so is, is kind of confirming that things are trending uh, not in the direction that, you, that one would expect. So uh, yesterday, Florida reported 2,783 new cases, which is a new daily high. 9.2% of tests were positive. Uh, for some context, that's about four times what it was uh, a month ago on May 17th and is a new high. Uh, there were 182 new cases alone in Orange County. That is, of course, where uh, Orlando and, and the Walt Disney Report is uh, resort is located. And that 182 number uh, has essentially is essentially double that of what it was a week ago. So uh, wow. things are rising, uh, and that nine percent. Uh, you know, the, I, th- I think it's easy. I think on one hand to grasp total volume of you know, positive cases, positive tests, uh, how many cases there are. So on May 12th, the World Health Organization advised governments that before reopening, rates of positive testing uh, should remain at about 5% or lower for at least 14 days. If we're now all of a sudden at 9% uh, here in Orange County, and we're what, uh, what, two weeks away, three weeks away, I believe, from from teams reporting, I think most teams were planning on arriving between July 7th and July 9th. That does not give a lot of time there uh, to sort of recalibrate and get back down to that 5% level with enough runway ahead of teams and players arriving. So uh, it's it's discouraging, to say the least. I, I don't know how anyone could, could look at what the data is saying and, and come to any conclusion other than that. I You know, if there is one thing... That I, that I would caution anyone out there looking at numbers and, and trying to draw any grander conclusions is I, it is really important to look at the, the counties themselves specifically, uh, especially when it comes to Florida. So of the over 80,000 confirmed cases uh, in Florida so far throughout, you know, from start to finish of the pandemic, over 50% of those come from Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach, which are all significantly farther south uh, than where Orlando is. Typically, what we've seen in Orange County is is below that of state averages and below that of where it else where it is elsewhere in the state. That said, all of the most recent reporting from the last 24 to 36 hours is kind of indicating a troubling trend here of things going uh, not in the way that they should be or ideally would be ahead of what we're you know, trying to pull off this unprecedented uh, return to play proposal. So, uh, yeah. I, I, so, you know, when you hear players like John Wall say that if healthy, that's not something that I'd be interested in doing. I don't know how anyone could ever look at all of the data that we have available and and look look down upon anyone for echoing those same thoughts that John Wall himself has, has had. Yeah, that's the that's the uh, that's the important part here is that everyone's kind of uh, you know putting the situation where it this is a virus that's that's really making a, a your, your it's life and death. It's not like a it's not like the chicken pox here. You know, it's this is this is a. Could be could be life and death in, in certain situations. Um, you know the the WNBA uh, has has put a plan in place for those who may be high risk uh, in terms of uh, you know contracting the virus. Uh, I know Elena Deladon, their MVP from a season ago, um, has a, has a condition that you know could put her at high risk, and, and she's one of the biggest stars in the league. Uh, had, should she contract this virus? So uh, they're actually going to pay the full salaries for some of the players that uh, that may have to sit out due to high risk health, uh, you know, conditions. 
I don't know if the NBA is in the same situation. I would assume so. I haven't heard any of the players, and I can't think of any of the top of my head that might be in the same situation as Elena Deldon. But I, I will say this: you know, the numbers are are going up in a lot of states that were kind of lackadaisical in terms of the way they approached sort of shutting down or even opening back up uh, very quickly. And they're they're getting punished by you know the the positive tests that are coming up in certain states. Um, you, you mentioned you know South Florida having the high uh, highest number in in the entire state of Florida. That has a lot to do with the simple fact that there's a lot of young people down there that are just mingling. You know, forget about social distancing. They're they're out there. They're they're going face to face, and that's the quickest way to sort of you know pass this virus along. Is that that's the one thing we do know about it is it's it's very contagious and easy to transfer uh, if you're not, you know, adhering to the social distancing rules. So, um, you know, for for it, 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 when you consider the amount of people that are about to show up in Orlando, it, it, there, there's bound to be, you know, more than a handful that are going to test positive upon arrival. You just hope that the, the plan in place is to, you know, have, have the, the virus uh, not spread quickly at all or you know they have a, an ironclad clad plan in place to, to really slow the curve if they if so to speak in in that situation because i'd imagine i don't think the 450 players that could potentially show up to orlando are not every single one of them is gonna is gonna pass this test and not you know not one of them have uh eight symptomatic symptoms right like that, that's an that's an impossible thing to think about well we're we're going to start finding out uh, right a, w- a week from today. The June 23rd wow. is the date with which every NBA player and every traveling party of NBA players will they'll start testing uh, both for antibodies and presence uh, of the virus itself June 23rd and repeat that every other day uh, moving forward until that uh, July 7th to 9th uh, scheduled arrival. So, um, I mean, we, we just saw what happened right in, in the NFL with a couple of uh, Cowboys and uh, Texans players testing positive. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's that's just one of the uncomfortable realities that uh, we will in all likelihood have to figure out how to navigate and uh, and do so. And, and I think, you know, you mentioned earlier about players needing to be on the same page. This is one where. The, every player, every every person that works for the league, every every media member covering the event, anyone watching at home, like there there should be no questions asked about what this plan is going to be moving forward and what what are the protocols in place, because I, I just you I I'm already anxious about the misinformation that could become available, uh, and I would hate for anyone to run or jump to any conclusions that differ from those of. Uh, sort of agreed upon policies and protocols put in place. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm crossing my fingers, but I but I think that these are important discussions to have uh, because you you can't just you can't just talk about the NBA and be excited about everything uh, that that we potentially would come back to without also discussing uh, the matters that are most important and pressing to the league itself. And so, the, the, really, the only way to do that is we you have to keep having a conversation. Uh, and you know you you just cannot ignore the elephant in the room uh, with these with these issues. Yeah, it's a, it's such an interesting time we have uh, we're, we're living through in sports. Sports used to be kind of that place where you turn off and uh, forget about the real world. No longer we're like in we're in a new era where uh, you know there's a, there's a ton of social consciousness, <laughs> yeah. uh, political awareness that's that's crept into sports. And I think about it now because I see a lot of high school you know kids uh, talking about it on social media lately. A lot of you know big time high school basketball stars wondering if they should choose a black college over a traditional power uh, like you know Duke, North Carolina. Or, or, or Kansas, and I wonder how long that will take to kind of trickle into the NBA, and how many free agents may choose to sign somewhere uh, based off the research they do on the owners or the general managers that they have to deal with on a daily basis. Uh, how many owners, general managers might lose a free agent for something they said in the past, or something that they potentially might say in the future? Uh, you know, so it's uh, it's an interesting time nowadays with uh, with, with how things are, are are going in the in the NBA and just sports in general. I, I couldn't uh, agree you know more. I, I'm, I'm going to leave that one alone because there's too much to unpack uh, for one conversation. <laughs> but you're, yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> you are right on par, my friend. <laughs> um, let's let's talk about the picture that was heard around the world. 
Um, you could hear the picture scream back at you. It was so loud. They say a picture says, you know, talks a thousand words. Uh, it, it seems that Nikola Jokic may have lost a thousand pounds. Um, over this <laughs> three month period, uh, Nikola Jokic looks like he's just eating, uh, you know, celery and kale and working out a ton. The dude may even have a six pack by the time we get to the end of July. He looks awesome. He looks great. I'm, I'm jealous of Nikola. I, I am not convinced, however. I still want to see video f- of, of him. Uh, that, that picture may be photoshopped or, or at least touched up a bit, but he looks great. I thought it was, I didn't think it was him. I thought it was Kristaps Porzingis the first time uh, that I saw him. And if you've seen Kristaps Porzingis, he looks nothing like Nikola Jokic. So I, I'm at a loss for words. I'm with you. I refuse to believe it. I trust my, I, this is what I'm going with the eye test. Yeah. Uh, Nikola, skinny Nikola Jokic, what are your expectations about skinny? Like, what? I mean, we've waited this long for Nikola Jokic to just get in shape. And the dude has been playing, he, he was playing great basketball. Uh, the last 30 games of the season and, and before we went on pause here, he, he was he was terrific on the floor, and that was a big version of him. Now he's going to be slimmed down. He's going to be able to play a little bit more up-tempo, maybe get up and down the floor. To bl- what does that open up for Denver? I think it I think it opens up a lot. I mean the the it, look I, I and I think it'll be it'll be more in, in subtle ways, okay? This, this guy that averaged 25 13 and 8 in the playoffs last year. Like I I don't know I don't know how anyone could could reasonably expect a whole lot more uh statistical production out of them. One of the things though that when you watch Denver uh, they they they're like two different teams based on whether Jokic is out on the floor or not. Yeah, you know he's such an amazing, such an amazing and gifted passer. But they basically turn uh, turn basketball into a track meet whenever Jokic is off the floor. I'm wondering now if we're going to see a version of this team that, like you said, is able to play a little bit more up tempo and kind of take advantage of all of his passing, his amazing open floor game uh, for a seven footer. Look, it was all he was already among the toughest covers. Uh, for bigs out there that maybe aren't as comfortable 20 feet from the basket, having to play uh, passing lanes, get up in faces. Uh, he's going to now introduce so many more. Re- he's going to introduce so many more wrinkles, uh, both for that team offensively and introduce so many more headaches uh, for opposing players out there. I'm, I, I was already fascinated uh, to see what the Nuggets were going to look like. Now it, that they're... Outside of the Houston Rockets, which remain the most intriguing team to me, uh, Denver's right there in that next tier of uh, of intriguing teams once we get back to play. I'm interested to see what he does on the defensive end. Everyone talks about the offense. I don't think he'll lose it whether or not he's big or, or, or as slim as he is now. I, I think he's just a, a great offensive talent. He just has this skill uh, and, and feel for the game that you just can't be taught. The defensive end, though, those plays where he used to kind of take plays off to conserve energy, that might not happen anymore. And he was great defensively last year in the playoffs. He really turned my, you know, turned changed my opinion on him and and what he can be. No longer now, I think the slim version. No longer can you take him off the floor in the last possession of a very close game because he might end up being one of the better defenders on the floor now with his size and length and ability to blow things up. So. Um, you know, if, if, if that's the case, if that's the, the benefit that comes with it, maybe Nikola Jokic now turns himself into being just a, a really good player into a legit, legit guy that can carry a team to a championship where I didn't think that that could be the case. I, I really think that a guy, if your best player can't play one side of the floor, your, your chances of you winning a championship are very slim. Now Nikola Jokic, slim Nikola, uh, it might be able to to show us that he can play both sides of the floor no problem and lead his team to the championship. I think I think the defensive the defensive thing is a great call and I think it's it's one of those that what one of the guys that I was reminded of when seeing this picture that I refuse to acknowledge is real until I see Jokic with my own eyes but <laughs> yeah we need video. One of one of the guys that that I I thought of immediately was Kevin Love, who uh, kind of went through a similar transformation, not quite as pronounced, but you know, in Minnesota, like Ke- Kevin Love, like was a <laughs> he's a big boy, right? He was husky, uh, yeah, and he it was, was really that 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 second year in Cleveland, right, is when he really just came back completely transformed. I think he was like in the ESPN body uh, issue or yeah, he was or something along those lines. 
And look, it's it's one play, but uh, and everyone, it's become one of the most famous plays in the finals over the last five years is Kevin Love being able to stay attached to Steph Curry's hip. And that one play, probably not possible if he doesn't lose all that weight, ends up being one of the reasons that they win an NBA title. So the, the margins are really small. And if we get into a spot where Nicole Jokic is all of a sudden on an island in a game seven against James Harden, and he's all of a sudden now maybe a half step, a full step quicker, I sometimes that's all it takes. The, the margin for error in the NBA is so small. So, uh, you know, I, I look back and I'm reminded of Kevin Love and you saw exactly what that transformation ultimately led to for Cleveland. And I look, I'm not going to say that Denver's going to sit here to win an NBA title because Nicole Jokic shed a few pounds and may or may not have a four pack. <laughs> but I, I do think it's more likely now than it was before. You're absolutely right about that. The margins for error in the NBA are so, so small. Uh, the margins for translation um, also very <laughs> small. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. First, we got to remind you, folks, Sister Podcast, Sound System FC is back. It is back better than ever. So is football around the globe. And, of course, I mean soccer, folks. The Bundesliga already in full swing. The, the return of the MLS is upon us. And the English Premier League is going to get back going here soon. My team, Arsenal, uh, haven't had the greatest of seasons, but I'm, I'm optimistic that we close the season strong and I could find out more information about them and the rest of the league. This is a big Bundesliga podcast. If you haven't listened to it already, go and listen to it now. Sound System FC is back. Your home for football or soccer, as we call it here in the United States. Um, translation, Micah. Is, uh, is very tough when you're translating uh, Slovenian to English. And sometimes words get left out that don't mean to be left out. Luka Doncic's trainer did an interview in his native tongue, and it was translated in English, and Reddit went absolutely insane. Here is what Luka Doncic's trainer said in an interview <laughs> after it was translated in English. Quote, we have been working together for the last three weeks. Luca was previously in quarantine and training at home individually. Uh, the last three weeks, we have been working hard to prepare him for the resumption of the NBA season. He is not in the best shape, which is normal. NBA games will be played before the end of won't be played before the end of July. Uh, so there is enough time to get him recovered and ready to go. However, he undoubtedly will be ready to play right now, would be ready to play right now, end quote. Um, the, the line that stuck out to everybody is that his trainer said that he is not in the best shape, which is normal. That didn't raise any red flags for for, for people, the which is normal part, uh, and, and, didn't, and people just kind of went with he is not in the best shape. Since then, his trainers cleaned it up and come back and said that the one thing that it was left out, which is a very important word, was he was not in the best game shape right now, which we could all understand. They haven't played a game in almost three months. So he's in he's in normal shape, you know, which is normal. He's not in get basketball shape. And basketball shape, for those of you who know, is very different than just being in shape. You can be a gym warrior and step on a basketball court and be done in three minutes. Like it, it, it's, it's a different animal. Um, where do you stand on Luka Doncic, whether he's in shape, not in shape, doesn't even matter. What, no, it doesn't matter. Would we even be having this conversation if there wasn't the the picture of our boy Yoke? I feel like the, I feel like we're having this conversation because it became a thing where it was like, oh, here's the perfect juxtaposition for Nikola Jokic. We've look, Luca. People have been saying that Luka Doncic is out of shape for two years, and all he's ever done has been like the best twenty year old, and then the best twenty one year old. Uh, in NBA history, so I I don't think it, I think it's a complete non-story, and I I have I have zero concerns or issues whatsoever about Luka Doncic uh, moving forward. What about you? <laughs> he's only he's only averaging twenty eight, uh, nine and eight. I I don't really have an issue with whether or not if he was out of shape before and giving you twenty eight nine and eight, and he's you know finding a way to to, to even get close to what skinny Jokic looks like. Um, you know, we're, we're in trouble. I am excited to see Luka in the, play, Luka in the playoffs, uh, regardless of if he's fat or not. I what are, you, so what are your expect? What are your expect? What are your expectations for Dallas? 
Like, is it like a one and done? Is it a, does it just depend on who they play? What, like, what, at the end of the, at the end of the day, wh- whatever happens with Dallas, what would you deem a success uh, for Luka and the Mavericks? I'm selfishly more interested in Luka as a player to see him perform. I could care less about Dallas as the team. And that's probably the wrong answer here. I, I know when you ask me that question, you're, you're expecting me to say, you know, Dallas is finishing one or, or two rounds. They're probably going to lose in the first round because it's likely that they'll play the Clippers or the Lakers, uh, you know, in the first round of the playoffs. So they're not going to be expected to win that series. But I want to see Luka perform at a high level. I want to see Luka go toe to toe with either LeBron or Kawhi for as long as that series lasts. Could it be five, six games? Maybe. But the, the same way that we celebrated Luka when he went toe-to-toe in the middle of December against LeBron James in the overtime game that, that, that Mavs lost, that's the type of Luka I want to see in the playoffs. He, he needs to show us that he can show up on the big stage. If Luka shows up in the playoffs and they have a and ha- he has a dud and the Mavericks get bounced, I think it will be, I don't want to say a failed season, but I'll be disappointed in, in Luka's performance more than the team's performance. I'm already excited. I'm excited for the uh, the think piece that's going to come out from somebody <laughs> if Luca if Luca doesn't play well and they say they get swept by the the Clippers or something and someone is going to write something where it's some it's some like big proof that he was never ready and it's proof that all the uh, exploits and achievement and accomplishment in the Euro League were overstated and overblown <laughs> and how the NBA is a different league and yada 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 and it's gonna and, and then whoever writes that is gonna look and feel really dumb when this kid comes back and like wins the MVP next year or they reach a conference final or Dallas wins 55 games um I, I, I think I'm with you. I, I think that they're likely to lose in the first round, but I think that has way more to do with who they're likely to play uh, than it does the team itself. Kristaps uh, Porzingis, by the way, was averaging 25-10 in two blocks over his last 15 games uh, mm. before, before the season was suspended. If that's the type of Porzingis that they're going to get back, like... Man, I, we've, we've, talked, we've talked before about how all of the unforeseen... Uh, and the unprecedented conditions uh, in Orlando, should we actually get back and, and resume and finish this thing, make some something is just ripe for a massive upset. And there's gonna be there's gonna be something coming that nobody saw coming. Uh, and I've I've had this Dallas Mavericks team as one of the teams that I have circled on uh, as a potential major sleeper just because of. Luca and Porzingis, and they have two guys uh, that, when they're at their best, can go toe to toe with absolutely anybody. Uh, and for what it's worth, I got one more thing for you here. So we've talked before about how Dallas right now has as the most efficient offense uh, in NBA history. Now we've seen we've seen this story play out. Say before, that again. Right? Slow that slow that down because there's a lot of people that don't really understand that Dallas has been that good even with Porzingis kind of sleepwalking through halfway of the season. The Dallas Mavericks right now on a per 100 possession basis have the most efficient offense in NBA history ever. And it's not even close. 115.8 points per 100 possessions, over two and a half points better than anyone else. By the way, the gap from them to second is bigger than the gap from second to 15th so that just gives you an idea of how much more dominant they are and and not only that they're not they're not gimmicky and i think that this is the most important part here because the last couple of years we we've seen houston uh have record setting offenses in the regular season we get to the playoffs and the you know they they miss 27 straight threes and, and people chalk it up as a Oh, well, James Harden's style of play is not one that's going to translate to the, the postseason or whatnot. If you look specifically at how Dallas scores, they have the best offense in the NBA after an opponent-made field goal, okay? So they're against the set defense. They're the best in the NBA, okay? They also rank, if you look, if you look, at, um, if you look at how long their possessions take, 
So so it's it's basically a better version of pace. They rank just 22nd in the NBA, okay? So they already play a pretty slowed down game, as everyone knows. Game slows down in the playoffs. So this is a team that executes really well uh, situationally and overall, and they have a style of play that should, in theory, only get better once we get to the playoffs. So I, I got I got my eye on you, uh, Luka Doncic, even if you're not in game shape yet. It's interesting. And they're going to be led by two guys who haven't played a single playoff game yet. It's weird. You say all those stats and how great their <laughs> offense is, yeah. uh, and they're sitting seventh in the Western Conference, and no one would even think that uh, about them at all. You know, that Lucas played well all season. He's in the MVP conversation, won't win it, but he's top five. Uh, Porzingis is starting to round back into the guy that they traded for, really, essentially a, a former all star. And, you know, that, that stat about the offense. Yeah, it's it's you know it, it boggles your mind to think that they're seventh, but they're only four wins out of th- second place. Like it's uh, they could jump up in or- Orlando, and, and and people won't even see them coming. So uh, it's interesting. Um, before we go, there are other players in the league uh, who might have benefited from the time off. We see how skinny Nikola Jokic looks. Luka may or may not be overweight. But there's so many other players in the league, and you could go down the list. Giannis, Giannis was hurt before the season went on pause. He, you assume, is going to be super healthy now. Plus, he's going to have a lot of rest. It almost be like a restart of, of the regular season or, or the beginning of the regular season is going to be so fresh. Boston has had some injuries. Uh, Miami as well. Victor Oladipo was out of the lineup for half the season, more than half the season with the Indiana Pacers. He should be healthier. Ben Simmons is going to be fully healthy. I see Joel Embiid talking a lot of junk on, on the internet, talking about how he's going to be in shape ready to go we know Kawhi. uh now there's no load management you know he, he should play every game in orlando when he gets down there lebron's going to be as healthy as he's ever been heading into a postseason run and the list goes on and on and then your man zion as well you know he missed the first half of the season couldn't really get into shape before they started playing him now he's had close to three months to get in shape and maybe the pelicans can make a run with uh, you know with a full unit and they've been as injured as anybody in the league with uh, you know key players missing time in and out of the lineup. Portland, same situation. Who do you see this time off benefiting the most from a player perspective or a team perspective, either or? I mean, I, I think it's a, it's impossible to have that conversation and not start with uh, probably the Clippers and the Sixers, right? Because those are kind of the two teams in, you know, if, if kind of they have the talent to go deep to win it all like those those are teams that are are suddenly now more formidable than were than where they were when we uh you know when we when we hit pause on the season but i, I i'm gonna go down i'm gonna go down the list a little bit further uh and to a couple of other names that i just i just think are interesting especially because they're just there are names that we have not heard uh in a while and in one case in a really long time uh, the first one is uh, Marvin Bagley is supposed to be back for the Sacramento Kings. I think that people are talking about this race for eighth in the West as a, you know, is Memphis going to hold on or are Zion and the Pelicans going to surge back in it? And I know that, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge is, is now out and done after shoulder surgery. But watch out for the Sacramento Kings because uh, they're, they're starting to figure some things out uh, towards the end once they move Buddy Heald to the bench. Uh, and and started starting Bogdanovich, but Marvin Bagley uh, should be back in the mix. He's a he's a name I'm I'm really interested in. The other one, and I feel like we've been talking about this guy returning to the floor for like two years, and it's because we have Andre Robertson on the Oklahoma City Thunder is apparently like ready to go. Uh, he said what? recently was quoted was quoted in the middle of April saying, "I'm past the rehab stage." I should be playing honestly, and so he's he's someone that is that is all of a sudden maybe looking to get to get back in the mix. Uh, there's been no no uh, official reporting as to what his status is going to be, but like you look at Oklahoma City as a team that kind of is they've been giving people headaches and problems all season long, and he plays a position that 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 is absolutely the biggest hole on their team is on the perimeter. So look. Is Andre Robertson ultimately going to be a name that that determines who wins the NBA title? Of course not. Uh, but that's just I, I I would love to see him back on an NBA floor because it's been a really long time. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Andre Robertson. I totally forgot about that dude. Uh, I, I think there's benefits Giannis the most, to be honest with you. Um, you know, he was he was running at a breakneck pace there. You know, uh, you know, leading the league in usage. Uh, he's up there in minutes per game, and he, he was really you know going. And he, when he plays, he plays hard. He's not taking possessions off. He, he has potential to win. You know, uh, not only the MVP, but he's in. The, he should be in the conversation for Defensive Player of of the Year. Um, he's doing it on both ends of the court, and the style that the Bucks play. Um, you know, the way he really gets up and down the floor. Um, you know, the contact that he has to take getting to the rim, it, it, it's going to weigh on him. It's going to wear on him. And I think this break is going to be, you know, do wonders for him uh, to kind of clear his mind and set him up for when they get into the bubble, really go zero dark 30 and try to chase this championship uh, and, and win his first ring. So I, I think, you know, Giannis is going to benefit from this, uh, you know, a ton. Um, you know, the second candidate would be LeBron. Obviously, any any time, you know, LeBron at this point of his career can get some break or you know a little bit of time off and and, and rest that body of his you got it you got to give it to him anthony davis not too far behind I, either because we we know how banged up he is uh you know every year so for him to to come into a postseason healthy uh that should, should do wonders for what the lakers are planning on doing this season and I think it was it was back in I believe it was the the first week of April. I mean, we were like right into this thing, uh, and uh, Doc Rivers was was talking to local media out in LA, and he was re- recounting a conversation they had just had with Kevin Garnett, and KG was basically saying, "I'm so excited for this." Because nobody is going to have any excuses. And you go on down the list. It's like guys that even were playing were all still banged up. And like for the most part, we're going to we're gonna have now a playoffs where like the, the injury card is just not one that really any, any of those top contenders can really play, right? Like you just mentioned LeBron and Giannis. And then uh, Houston, right? James Harden and Russell Westbrook are going to be fresh. Chris Paul, this is the healthiest... He's already been the healthiest he's been in a long time. He will be uh, ready to go for Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, And then just Kawhi and Paul George, obviously, with the Clippers. So I'm very excited. Look, if we figure out all this other stuff, and it's a big if, but if we get to the point where balls are bouncing in the bubble in Orlando come July 31st, and we're lucky enough and fortunate enough to see it through and, and finish and crown a champion, Man, it, it will have been with the full slate of teams at their full uh, potential and everyone at the at fully healthy and ready to go. I could not be more excited for the product on the floor should it actually get there. Uh, so I, I'm with you. I, I think it's it's going to be great. I think Giannis is a, a player that was sorely in need of a little reset there. Absolutely. Amen to that. I am with you all the way on that. No more to be said. Uh, we'll leave it there, and we will be back next week. Next Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, for Micah Adams. I am Carlin Gay. A reminder, you can follow us on social media at NBA Sound System. And if you haven't already, go and listen to Sound System FC. I promise you, they will get you up to speed on everything that's happening in the world of soccer. We will see you next week right here on NBA Sound System L-I-V-E Live.